listeners. Uh, thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, I'm excited for today's guest. Uh, he's my best friend, and he's been there for me through some of the most tumultuous times of my life, and unbelievably lucky that he stuck around through my bullshit. Uh, he's also a comedian and just all-around wonderful human being. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Petra. Hello, Alex. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Want to start off by saying I love you? I love you, too. Very much. Um, also, listeners, <clears throat> wish Papa happy birthday. He's his birthday. 35. My dad called me while I was at work. Yeah. And uh, I was like 30. He asked me how old I was turning. And I said 35. And I go, I'm fucking old. He was like, yeah, you are. And then I go, is Sean turning 40? He goes, yeah. <laughs> we have a child that's turning 40. And I was like, man, I think mom's going to have to develop a pill addiction or something, right? <laughs> you have a child that's 40 and just boom. <laughs> <laughs> just send yourself. Where's the cliff? Yeah. But uh, that's so insane. 35 I'm, is not that old, though. I, like, at, But that's as we get older, right? Yeah, that's true. But like... 35 I feel like is the time in your life when you like really your your like true character like who you are in your soul if that makes sense mm-hmm. starts to really like dictate how you act. Well the funny thing is like this is around the time that like midlife crises yeah normally I mean, happen. Yeah. But lucky for for me I've already had four of them. So <laughs> yeah, right. Got them out of the it's normally four, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeesh. I always heard it was more. Uh, <laughs> but like, like I have friends your age that are like very serious people, you know. Because what are you, 28? Yeah. But like, they're a very serious person and they're very, you know, and that sh- starts to show Yeah, a-, a lot more. Friends my age that are very serious people, it's starting to show a lot more. It's so weird. But, like, you know, I also have friends that are your age that are goofy as hell. doesn't yeah. matter. Like, it's, it's who, your character is what defines your age, more, in my opinion, more than, uh, more than that number. Yeah, I'd say I'm still mentally, like, 30. Yeah. I'll probably be that way for a while. That's where my dad is. He's damn near 60. <laughs> I mean, he still gut laughs at Harry Balls Truman all the time because oh, Harry right. Truman doesn't have a middle name. So good. Um, now to get to the uh, the brass yes. taxes. Yes. So, I mean, we we met through stand up, mm-hmm. uh, through open mics and such, and and we did a lot of shows together and and things of that nature. And so I'm familiar with like the tone of your comedy mm-hmm. and. When you when you hear someone set like enough times, you yeah. start to kind of peel away at like where did this come from? Mm-hmm. For sure. And so I'm curious because uh, you've you've joked a lot about like being picked on and like people giving you titty twisters and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Were you were you really picked on that much as a kid? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the I was a very um, easy subject to pick on why is that i think most of it is because i was like kind of a jolly kid 
Mm. Um, but like my <clears throat> my nature was like I deferred to authority. Mm. Like and still do to some extent. Um but my I think that's called a teacher's pet. Yeah, but and that's true. Like, <laughs> I mean, all jokes aside, it's true. I was. Oh, okay. But like, as I got older, and now where I'm at now, now where I'm at, poor use of language. Um, I am very picky about who I choose to submit to, if that makes sense. Sure. So like, uh, and I don't even know if you need to call it submission. It's more trust. The yeah. older you get. Yeah, but I'm very easy, easily trusting, and it's very easy to lose my trust. Those are like, mm. that's a huge thing with me. Like, and it's problematic at times. But to some degree, like, you know, the older I got, so like in elementary school, for example, I was definitely a teacher's pet. But that's because, like, I was a child, you know? <laughs> like, I didn't have, my, my uh, respect for authority went far beyond, like, just listening to a teacher and doing whatever they said it's like i i needed to like impress authority figures like that uh, was, and a lot of that came from like never seeing <clears throat> like that pride from my dad it was always it's weird like i hear about it now where it was always behind the curtain like he never told me i'm so proud of you but he would like tell other people how proud he was oh of me. And then my mom would be like i swear you know he tells me all the time how proud he is of you and i'm like why can't you just fucking tell me that being said, um, that totally makes sense now because you deep down, because you've always had conviction, even with the anxiety and things like that. So the the concept of I know that I can be, I can impress an adult or impress upon an adult that I'm capable of having normal conversation or doing what's asked of me, things of that nature. Yes. So. Yeah. Totally that, makes sense. So it was like, at first, it like even when I was small, it started with like other adults. Like I was so good at speaking to adults. I could hold like adult conversations as a child. Like I was, I wasn't like overly formal. It was just like I could hold conversation. You yeah. Know, I wasn't like an airhead. And <laughs> the older I got, the easier a target you become for other kids. Because mm. like I'm not going to act out in the name of defending myself like if somebody if somebody picks on me mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna cry to authority oh i see and i'm not gonna also i'm not gonna lash back out at them because i'm afraid of the authority so like my the best example i would say is like i got punched in, well it was more like an elbow i think i took an elbow to the nose in first grade on the bus from this kid that was supposed supposedly like my best friend but I, he was the only kid i knew oh okay um we were the first house in our neighborhood there's no other people wow. it was literally just us so then all of my friends like didn't live close to me you know so it was like i made friends with the one kid that was sort of close to me <laughs> who's on my baseball team okay and then so he elbowed me in the nose and i was bleeding everywhere and i just hit it wow yeah i just like was like whatever like, i'm not gonna did anyone ever find out? When I was getting off the bus, the bus driver oh, was like, okay. what the heck happened to your face? And I can't lie, right? Because it's an authority figure. It's the bus driver, you know? Oh. So I'm like, God, Travis. Um. And then the next day, Travis gets on the bus, and the driver gives him a bus ticket for elbowing me in the face. We had like, it, we call it a bus ticket, but it was like a 
you got to go to the principal's office. And oh, gonna, oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going to call your parents and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't. You know, I don't want to press charges. Right, exactly. It was like that. <laughs> um, but then, like, um, you know, the older I got, uh, you know, I got, I everybody goes through that awkward teenage phase. But like my awkward teenage phase, I just looked, I looked like a who from Whoville. I was just <laughs> horrible looking. Not much better now, but it, I was gonna say, like, did you have a growth spurt? Like, it was unbelievable. Okay, the growth spurt. But I was tiny, like. Up until seventh grade, I was like lit, the smallest, one of the smallest kids in the class. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, so like sixth grade, they called me Fivel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they like asked me if I wanted cheese. And I didn't know what that meant because I'd never seen American Tale. That's such a funny old reference. Like, yeah. That movie is pretty old. Yeah. And the, yeah, so they just called me Fivel. And then like everyone, Called me gay for a while because I had long hair. And then long hair became cool. And then like a hipster, I cut my shit off because I was like, fuck you, dude. Anyway, um, and then uh, seventh grade came around and it got a little better. But then that was when I was exposed to like the older kids. And then the older kids just fucking laid into me. I mean, it was like I was getting like hairs ripped out of my legs Jesus. all the time. The titty twisters thing happened in eighth grade, but that's when I grew too. In eighth grade, I grew seven inches. Holy smokes! Yeah. Um, but yeah, the titty twisters thing is very real. Like I was legit bleeding out of my chest. God. Um. And then, like, even into high school, it didn't really slow down until I got older, and you know, about like junior year, I would say, I got more comfortable in my skin. Mm. And just, like, didn't really care anymore. Like, if somebody was going to give me crap about something, I was like, whatever, dude. Like, I don't care. What are you actually going to do to me? Are you going to beat me up? Because if you're going to beat me up, like, there are consequences now. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like, people will know. Like, because you actually could beat me up. Like, it's not just going to be, like, a punch to the gut and then I cry about it. Like, if you physically assault me, it will be evident on my face and (laughs) my body. So, like, um... You know, like kids used to in high school, like when I was a sophomore, um, I had a <laughs> admittedly the weirdest hockey bag ever. It was a backpack. It was like a giant hockey bag backpack. Oh. I looked like such a tool. But it was better for my back. Have you ever seen uh a snowboard bag? Yeah, it was like that. Okay. But like way bulkier because you're carrying all of your hockey gear. Oh wow. So it's like literally like Oh, you're like uh Fred from Hotel Transylvania. Sure. Yes. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, I've seen okay. the first one, but I haven't seen Yeah. It. So the redheaded guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> and uh like the first day of practice, the captain of the junior varsity hockey team uh told me that he was gonna shit on my hockey bag. And I was like, Why would you do that? And he's like, Look at your bag. And I was like, Fair. I guess. <laughs> and then the last practice of the year, they were like, hey, go get pucks. And I was like, we already have pucks. And they're like, go get pucks. And I was like, guys. And I came back in, and it was a nice, nice hot turd on my bag. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, you actually did it. Also, 20 guys watched you do that. So, oops on your part, mostly. You know what's funny, though? If 
a friend of mine said he was going to do that, yeah. I would watch. Yeah. But like, guys. Why is that though? Is it like, because it's, it, it's almost in like, it's more like endearing if it's a, if it's a, but like if it's a friend that said like, hey, I'm going to crap on your bag. I'd be like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then when he's like going to do it, I'm like, all right, I'll watch this. You're picking it up, but I'll watch it. <laughs> but yeah. So I walked back in and he like did it. He like pooped on a paper towel and like put it on my bag. Oh. And everyone's like, it's only on a paper towel. I'm like, he's still crapped yeah. on my bag. Like, I'm the one who's picking up the poop. This is a human poop. <laughs> we don't have a mouse problem here. This is a man's crap. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so like stuff like that happened, you know. But like, I think it just got to the point where like I learned, I learned late, I guess. Or maybe it just started working late that like I could just be funny and get out of stuff. That's such a weird dichotomy because you at an early age grasped how adults are supposed to act mm-hmm. and you're surrounded by kids who are acting like they don't get it mm-hmm. but it's so easy to grasp yeah why isn't this working like yeah. what are they not seeing that i'm that that explains so much it's weird because i've like known the majority of that aspect but like we've i mean we've talked about it if you watch dude absolutely or duck duck gray duke when it was going um we talked about like the the problem that we have with society is like you and i are capable of having a conversation with anyone right and it doesn't like it doesn't require a whole lot right and it's real easy to i mean it seems really easy to diffuse stuff why is it so hard to just get along? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's 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 one thing to completely disagree with somebody. And it's another thing to uh attach somebody's um uh whatever they're saying to you to like them as a person and then sp- like um what's the right word? Um not speculate, but like to uh like expand that opinion into like who they are if that makes sense. Like if it's okay. an opinion you disagree with, right? So like somebody says like, I believe we should have healthcare for all, right? Mm-hmm. Free healthcare. And somebody's like, you just want to give free handouts to everybody. And, you fight, and you're like, no, 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 no. It's <laughs> yeah. like, if you're dying, you should just go to the hospital. And they're like, I fucking, you don't like the Jews. And you're like, what? My mind went straight to Ben Shapiro. Yeah, right. And that's where like, you're like, what the hell? I can I can disagree with or you. Or Josh Otremba. Josh. <laughs> FedEx doing you wrong again? <laughs> Although I will say his snap stories are cute. He's so good to the puppies. Yeah. He's a good person. I know. I need to reconnect to them. I like see that's the thing. It's like we can see that his political beliefs are separate from him as the human. Yes. Like him as a human, good guy. I think the other concept that's like, it seems like people's inability to affect change on a national level yeah. affects them. Yes. So when they hold on to these yes. like the policies and yeah. things, it's like part of it is because they can't fucking do anything about it. Yeah. But if other people think the way that I do, 
at least I'm not alone in yes. this thing. So that, but that's where yeah. that conviction comes from. It was, it's like it creates, it's good and bad too. Like yeah. it's good to some extent because like that's the only way that you actually have societal change is by avoiding groupthink while also convincing people that like certain ideas are for their own good or will at least benefit them to some extent, you know, or benefit the whole. Um, but then also you get the groupthink thing where yeah. then you just start, it's just, you create like Petri dishes of just horrible ideas and then they're allowed to expand and the, uh, the hive mind. Yeah. And then your president's a fucking lizard. Yeah. Which I'm voting for Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta remember to bring this up to you, but, um, have you heard of the, uh, I'll have to text Justin. There's there's something beyond the Bohemian Grove thing. Oh, jeez. Which Alex Jones again discovered yeah. and turned out to be true. Which, like... That's for another again, thing. Again, <laughs> separate from politics, that dude has his finger on the pulse to some degree. <laughs> it's very weird. He's like he's like the, the kid that is friends friends with all of the football players but yeah. doesn't play football oh he fills the water jug fills the water jug yeah. or he just they let him hang they see him at parties and they're like hey jed yeah but like he carries everyone's booze so if the party gets like like party gets busted then he's the only one who gets busted and 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 the thing is is that he doesn't like overly interject until gets too drunk or something and then they're like yeah. all right dude <laughs> we gotta and that's alex tony. jones we like, gotta send tony home he just tried to grab a girl's boob <laughs> he gets drunk with the attention and yes. all of those things yes. and then yes i agree but so you know again i don't we don't need to keep talking about aj that much but like the whole making the freaking frogs gay thing mm-hmm you know what he was talking about, right? Uh, changes their orientation, right? Well, no, it changes their sexual organs. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, frogs don't have a... Gender is a social construct. Let's be clear about that. Yes. It is. Sex is not, okay? You can change your sex. You can change your gender. But gender was created by mankind. Oh my God! Uh, That's see, like, and if I say that to the wrong person, they're like, "Kim, uh, fucking liberal, commie." Uh, God, what what did she say? Landon was about to go to school. Something came up, I forget, and she she goes, "I can't be a boy. I don't have a wiener." And Landon goes, "You don't need a wiener to be a boy, mom." And then like like walked backwards to go out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Oh, it was so funny. See, it's, I love that. You got great kids, man. You're, Pretty lucky. You're a good dad. They they navigate towards, so far, fairly good kids, too, which is nice. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, just be honest with them. That's <laughs> what I wish. That's like, you know, I, I'm I'm not a parent yet. Thank God, am I right, America? You know, if I could, if if I could have one criticism of my parents, love them to death. 
Saw my mom today. She's a wonderful human being. But it would just be like that they didn't hyperbolize. Mm. You know? Because I think that's what that's what does people like me wrong. It's what gave me anxiety. Is like fear of the very worst thing possible oh. happening. All the time. All the time. And then the concussions didn't help that. I fried my brain. How many concussions did, did you have? I have five, like, legitimate, like, been to the hospital or, like, to the doctor's office for many visits concussions. That's that's the danger zone. Yeah, but I have more than that, probably, that I just didn't do anything about. Damn. Yeah. You're going to mur- murder Kirby yeah, and I Caitlin at some point. I got CT <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, most of them are from hockey. Yeah, my right eye stopped working for one of them. Holy smokes. Yeah. Have I told you this story? <clears throat> oh, this is a funny one. It is? Yeah, you'll laugh. Okay. I promise there's a laugh part. <laughs> so, it's actually not the opening line, but now that I think about it, you're going to laugh at the opening line too. Um, I was playing in a game for hockey, and I was right in the slot, <laughs> and uh, which is like, if you don't have your head up and are like aware of your surroundings, kind of the death zone. Okay. Right? Like, you're a target for everyone on the other team if you have the puck and you're in this particular part of the rink. Okay. Um, so I was there without the puck, and a guy passed me the puck. And a kid from behind hit me with his elbow, and he hit the back of my head. And uh, I don't remember anything, like, as soon as it happened. Apparently I scored. Kind of rad. What? Yep. Um. And then I went back to the bench, and first I went to the wrong bench, and then they were like, no, over there. And so I went and sat down, and my coach immediately is like, he can't play right now. So I'm on the bench, and I'm like, not doing great, and like I'm starting to feel sick to my stomach, classic signs of, you know. And so uh, period ends, and then my coach like walks me. He's like, you got you got to go. So he walks me over, and then he like, Tells my mom, like, you got to take him to the hospital. Like, he's for sure concussed. Yikes. And uh, I'm all out of it. And I remember I put my bag in the back of the van. And then we were driving. And apparently we drove past Chipotle. And I was like, Mom, can we get Chipotle? And she was like, no, we're going to the hospital. And I started, like, heave crying. Because I couldn't get Chipotle. And I was like, I just want a burrito. You're being a bitch, <laughs> you know. Whatever, just like so. So we go to the hospital, and my mom took me to Children's because that was the closest hospital. Oh wow! Because we were like in Blaine or something, and it was okay. just like we took fifteen, and it just brought you to you know. Um, so I walk in and we sit down, and then they're like, "We're gonna do some CAT scans and just like start running a bunch of tests." And I was like, "All right." So they did the. I think, you know, like the fall of my finger. And they brought the finger over this direction. And my eye, my right eye, just started like wavering. And then it just like sagged back to the middle until I was crossed. Yeah. And I was like, well, that ain't. And they're like, yeah, that's a bad thing. So what had happened is I had, it was like the way the hemispheres of the brain work. I had hit like some part of the left left hemisphere that affected the like, my ability to control the left side of my face. Wow. Yeah. Or the right side of my face, I should say, because it's like the opposite. I knew side. what you meant. Yeah. 
So that one was really bad. But I, I'd had others that were not good. I blacked out again in a game a uh, year later. So this is interesting. You, When it comes to sports, because I would imagine that... Because how long did you play hockey for? I was six when I started. I started skating when I was two. Holy smokes. My family moved when I was five. So I didn't play when I was five. Mm. And then I started playing when I was six. And I stopped playing when I was 19. Okay. So I played like men's league and stuff. Gotcha. Until I was 19. And then I just couldn't risk it anymore. But I mean, at a young age, you're in a sport that you watch, if you watch it on TV, you're aware that there's a violent or aggressive aspect of the sport. Yeah. Yet you have this, like, it's just interesting that you are able to separate and like that shit stays on the ice. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I go out into the real world, this is how I act. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. Well, it, like it, um, it brings out like the, the um, sort of like fight or flight nature in mm. you. You know, like that's. I mean, it's a combat sport to some degree. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. You know, it's or they say it's a contact sport, but yeah. Um. But like, really, what what I found is it you know, until the concussions really started happening, it does a really good job of teaching you how to, like, control your emotions. You know, just like a boxer, like, they say, like, you know, you're at your worst when your emotions control you. So, like, oh, you're yeah. lashing out, you're letting your defenses down, you know, you're being, you lose, like, your methodology. So it's like learning to be composed and have poise in times of, like, desperation and, like, uh, to be able to, like, work toward a common goal alongside people in spite of the fact that there are like you know odds against you and people are legitimately hitting you (laughs) and you know so like um it 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 certainly helped me like in social situations too because like you learn how to diffuse a situation really well through 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 things like contact sports in my opinion i could be totally wrong i get what you're saying but like you know in a social situation where like i've feel there's an adversarial component to a conversation or an argument with somebody like I feel that sense kick in but like you don't have to act on it or I think people who are kind of without that sort of competitive past but even like in your sense right so you were uh, um you you skated and you skateboarded like there's an internal struggle that comes along with that that's oh, like for sure. The odds are against you, but it's like the odds of the universe. It's not like somebody is <laughs> throwing fucking rocks at you while you're like trying to. But well, it's it's interesting because like if you don't land a trick, like it, it <clears throat> like when you're going to war with a handrail or yeah. a gap or something, like immediately, like if you fall. Like, just fuck. Like, mm-hmm. there's this thing that goes on, but like, you're not, yeah, you're right. Like, you're not screaming fuck, like, as you're going up to the thing. Right. Like, <laughs> fuck you, real. You have to get your shit together. And, yeah. And, yeah. But it's about, comp- it's, there's more composure involved in that than there is in a game of hockey, in my opinion. You know, what's interesting is there's like choreography to it because so much. If you're genuinely like furious as you're doing a trick, it you look insane. Yeah. But also, like, Landing a kickflip requires so much control 
and like letting your nerves get in the way of that control, it, it interrupts your. I mean, it it happens. You watch the X Games or like the Olympic skateboarding this this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, like when uh, when Nigel Houston was like, they were doing the um, it was like the medal round, and they were doing the the like big trick it was like the last. Oh, thing the best did. trick. Yeah, and like he didn't land any of them. It was like on the first one he looked composed as hell. You know, he was fine, whatever, and he barely doesn't land it. And then the second one, he looks a little more desperate, and he doesn't land it. And then the last one is like, you could just tell. He was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to land this trick, and then he doesn't do it. And you're like, I mean, it's obviously that's the highest stakes possible. You know, it's like gold or medal round of the X Games or medal round of the Olympics. Regardless, it's high stakes. But like, I mean, in your case, you're not just putting your body on the line. Like you're also putting your pride on the line. Oh, for sure. You know? So it's like the stakes are equally high. And like learning that um that c- competitive behavior, no matter how you learn it, I think is super important for people. My dad always said, like, I don't care how you learn how to compete. You need to learn. Like, I don't care if it's through chess club or competitive fishing or hockey. But you need to learn how to compete. Because, like, you need to learn how to lose. Yeah. It's like too many people today don't know how to lose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's election int- 2020. <laughs> um, I, it's interesting because video games kind of put that on its head. Yeah. Because you could try as many times as you want. Yeah. Which can be maddening. Yeah. Like there's almost like it's it's kind of nice in a competitive situation, like a genuine competitive situation, not that there isn't in video games, but when it's over, you can either ruminate on it or accept it and, and move on. With the video game thing, like it's like you can just drive yourself nuts for six hours trying to do the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. But then I would also even argue that on the flip side of that, perseverance is something that you learn very well in video games. That's true. You know? People suck for a long time at Call of Duty before they start not sucking. Speaking of people sucking, let's get back to your your childhood. Oh, yeah. So when you're going through like being picked on in, in these kind of shitty situations, what was like, were your parents aware that this stuff was happening? Yeah. This is part of the whole like you, you don't understand perspective as a kid, you know, like and I, I struggled with this a long time anyway, but, like, you don't know how to weigh, like, situations effectively. Mm. Like, if you had to say on, like, a how how bad did that suck on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, when you're a child, everything's a 10 or a 0, oh. you know? And then the older you get, you learn how to actually evaluate, you know, circumstances a little bit better. Um, But, like, my dad, bless his heart, would, like... <laughs> I mean, when I was getting bullied by that kid in elementary school, constantly, it was like an unending, like every day this kid picked on me. It sucked, man. I hated it. But I didn't know what to do. Like he was bigger, stronger, faster. Mm. He just owned me, this kid. I remember we were sitting in the Menards parking lot and I was trying to tell my dad about it and I was crying and I was all upset. And then my dad was like, like, I'll take care of it. I was like, okay. And I'm, you drove over to the kid's house. Didn't bring me with. Wow. Called his dad outside and was like, better get a handle on your kid because he's being a dick. 
And he didn't stop. The kid didn't because I'm sure the dad was like, whatever. But to me, I'm like, damn, dad, you cool as hell. You really were the Orange Power Ranger. <laughs> you know, like he was like he he did what he could. And like my first ever booster pack of Pokemon cards mm. I got for my fifth birthday at Circus Circus. Wow. In Coon Rapids. I remember this so vividly because <laughs> I got a, I swear to Christ, this is true. This is not a lie. I got a first edition holographic Charizard. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I traded it to the kid who gave me the cards. He's like, oh, I'll trade you for that. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I'm five. And the kid's like, I'll give you a three ride shoes. And I was like, oh, three for one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what Pokemon is, you know? Yeah. And then they moved away and we moved away. And I told my dad that, like, I got this card, but I don't have it anymore. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he, he traded it to me for three Raichus. And he was like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but we're going to go over to their house. So he piled me in the car and we drove from Maple Grove to their new house in Coon Rapids. And my dad was like, yeah, we're going to get that card back. And they were like, no. <laughs> and my dad was like, yeah. And they were like, no. And then I think they just had a falling out. Over a Pokemon card. Oh, that's so funny. But my dad, like, he went to bat for me, you know? Wow. It it sounds like, though, it's more like those situations, they're, like, teachable moments. Like, wanting you to, to, like, if it's it's important enough to, like, really go and stand your ground. Yeah. It, and it was like, that was like when it was way down the line, you know? It was like the point of no return. He was like, all right, right I'll step in, you know? Because for him, and like, if I had to sum my dad up to like one trait that he valued most or values most is accountability. Mm. And so like, it sucked sometimes, for <laughs> sure. You know, like I'd have a bad hockey game and you'd be like, you played like f- shit tonight, you know? <laughs> like you were awful out there. And I remember one conversation specifically where I was like, what about Ryan? He was bad. And my dad's like, we're not talking about Ryan. Stops the car. Then he pulls the car over, parks the car. He turns around and he's like, that kid does not have the skills and the gifts that you have. And he's trying so much harder than you. Don't you ever, ever take down somebody else. Like, we're talking about you. He's giving it everything he has, and he's just not capable. You, on the other hand, are fully capable and aren't even trying. So before you knock somebody else for not being good enough, you should probably try to be good. That's intense. Flipped me. Like, literally, that was the day I decided I was going to actually try. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, like, had some value, for sure. Terrible for my psyche at times, but yeah, I, it's that's so that's such a like a storm of conflicting feelings because everything is so on a daily basis. You can go through every type of confrontation imaginable when you're in school, like as a kid, like like the least important thing to the most important thing could all happen in one fucking school day. Oh, yeah. Just insane. Dude, 
School was wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you think about it, just even in that context. Right? School was crazy. Insane. But, like, to have these, like, values instilled in you, but to, to that's, that's such a mind fuck is what I'm trying to convey is, like, you know these things. And actually, it goes back to that whole, like, guys, I know how the world works. Yeah. Why are you acting this way? Yeah. I For mean, sure. that's beyond, I mean, beyond like anxiety inducing, that's, that's like, uh, the type of shit that can like push you to like hysteria. Cause it's oh, like, yeah. yeah, nothing makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But also like it has, it has like down the line value. For sure. You know, but at the time, it's like you don't know how to, like you were saying, like you don't know how to weigh, like, it's the, is this the worst possible thing ever or is this just not a big deal? So I didn't have the capability to separate those things. So like everything was a huge deal to me as a kid. Everything. I don't know how to explain it. I, it make, like I hit my brother in the face with a, with a plastic puck once. We were, I made him play goalie. Oh, in oh the basement. okay. I was just shooting pucks at him and I just ripped one at his face by accident, mind you. Sure. But I nuked this puck at him. <laughs> and it was just instant blood everywhere. Oof. And it was like, I was like grounded for the weekend. My dad was like, you know, and I could, I was like, I didn't do it on purpose. And to him, he's like, you need to know better. And my brother, I'm, I'm nine years old or eight years old, you know? Yeah. And like, to me, I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Like the world is ending based on his reaction, right? Yeah. So it's like I I really like lost sight of I guess maybe how big a deal things really are, mm. and I think I have a problem with that today. Like I think it still plays a huge role in my decision making and how I react to. But that external. that makes sense though because, like we remember your your brain logs the most traumatic and the most amazing things like for sure on a behavioral basis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So when something feels like it's going to go in this direction, your brain goes, if they don't get it, then I'm going to lose my fucking mind because this, then there's, if they don't get this thing, then there's no way they're going to understand. Right. It's imprinting. It's like, come (laughs) on, man. The 3D printer in your brain of, of horrible circumstances or great circumstances. Yeah. Just understand like, Hey man. Remember what happened last time? <laughs> and you're like, but Dude, yeah, but it makes you look at people differently because you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you, if you start to associate, like if I even try to approach a situation this way, they're not going to fucking get it. So it's like, yeah. Cause it like, it's not just an impression that, events have on you it's an impression that you have on events for sure yeah i've never really even thought about it that way (laughs) that you log the reaction too yeah oh a hundred percent because you think about the reaction is what you log and it's like how you choose to interpret it christopher foot five (laughs) that's really really insightful well i am 35 years old so no but that's super insightful it's like that's why you have visceral reactions to things yeah. Well, I mean... Like when somebody gets all intense. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because um, the whole consequence thing, right? Yeah. You start to learn, you're logging these consequences. And I'm yeah. saying consequences, but that's just how your brain interprets it. Yeah, well, there's. Uh, I like to say that uh, there are no good or bad consequences. There's just consequences. Yes. It's how you yeah, choose exactly. to interpret them. So, like, you learn that, um, because you think about when you're a kid and you just say whatever the fuck, and mm-hmm. if an adult hears it, they go, what? Yeah. Like, I remember my mom found out about the nudie mag fort that we had in the woods because <laughs> I I said something about, like, why does milk come out of uh, a man? And she was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so in that yeah. moment, I was like, oh. Don't talk about yeah uh, penis milk to your parents because <laughs> yeah 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 they don't like that right so so there's like those things that you start to learn you know what I mean and that's yeah, for sure that's where you learn to lie too yeah or omit truth yeah but then it goes back to that whole like how you're gonna handle this situation it's not that you're faking it but you're gonna talk to certain people differently. Because yeah. you know how they're going to react if you talk about this thing, or yeah. if you sh- if it shows on your face that you like completely don't agree with the thing. Yeah. When when your brain logs that you don't think they have the capacity to have a conversation on the level that you can, you talk to them differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes you assume incorrectly, and it further. It creates further problems in the situation. Yeah. Or you just, you do it so much that when they see the other side of you, they're like, what? What? Yeah. I had no idea that's how yeah, you felt. Yeah, you like build a rapport or a rapport with somebody in a certain context. And then when you like talk like you're not that version self, they're like, <laughs> uh, are you on mescaline? What's going on with your brain? Like I've had like, like with comics is a great example. Oh right? man. When you get like real with a comic who hasn't heard you ever get real before and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Chill, dude. Yeah. You're just talking about your crank for ten minutes on stage. <laughs> you don't get to tell me about your financial problems now. <laughs> to some degree, it's like endearing in a way. Mm. If you go the other way. Right? So like some people only know me in a professional context. Oh, oh, sure. And then, like, I'll rip off a joke in front of my colleagues, and they're like, damn, <laughs> you're funny. What happened? Okay, Jess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had that today. So, somebody on, on well, one of my coworkers used, like, an awesome word, like, to describe somebody. Mm-hmm. He was like, you blank asshole to one of our okay. other coworkers. And it was, like, in a funny manner. He wasn't, like, calling them an actual asshole. Um. And everyone in the group was like, what was that word? You know? So I like looked it up and it's like synonyms were just like totally like we use these in everyday conversation kind of words, but he chose to use this awesome word. And then the guy who got called the blank asshole was like, I don't know what the word was. I'm not blanking because it was like cunty or whatever. It's like, I don't remember what the word was. And uh, he's like reading all the synonyms and he's like, dude. I'm calling myself this. Like, this is the best description ever. It's like all the words are like irritable, quick to be angry, like whatever. Oh, <laughs> and oh. He, 
it was like I don't even know what the word was, but it was so funny. And uh, after that, like somebody said something about like questions that we had. Like, does anyone have questions before the meeting ends or mm. whatever? And I was like, I don't mean to be. Eh, and I said the word, and then I volleyed a complaint. Oh, okay. And everyone was like, oh, <laughs> wow, look at you. <laughs> I was like, guys, that was the laziest callback I've ever done. You know what's funny is in that world, they don't even know to say callback. Oh, yeah. They just are like, he remembered. I will say, though, like when Caitlin says callback, I love my wife so much, which, by <clears> the way, like. Hold on. We're veering off a lot. I want to go. I'm going to actually take this back to where oh, we were okay. not veering off. So, something that I've learned more about that sort of like the uh, my social engineering, like the way I was engineered socially. You know, like we talked about with when I was a little kid, how I like I was the grown up kid and couldn't understand why people were being mean to me. Like, guys, why can't we just be nice? Um, and then you know some of the other traits that have picked. So, like the hysteria sort of thing that we talked about. Having a partner that shares to some degree a similar sort of track record when it comes to those traits. Oh. But then also has completely different experiences that have informed those traits makes understanding why your traits exist so much easier. Wow. I feel like I've become so much more self-aware over the last three years being with Caitlin, in part because... She and I act very similarly, but it's informed by different circumstances. Wow. You know what I mean? I absolutely. So like, I don't know. I just like I'm that's one of the weird things that you like learn you're grateful for when it comes to like having a life partner. Oh, yeah. Like I would have never guessed that was one of the outcomes or one of like the po- the positives of being married, but it's like I get why I'm kind of a psycho now. <laughs> you know? It's like she's she's pleasant and like really overly kind and like super thoughtful. And I'm all of those things minus the kindness and insert cynicism. Mm. And I'm like, why am I like that? <laughs> We're the same. Our brains work the same way. But my brain chooses to be like, what a douche. When she's like, how creative. But from from what I gather, your your dad was within the context of like small groups or with just you or, you know, whoever um, seemed quick to have an opinion on a person or a situation. Do you think that that rubbed Boils off? down to car rides. Ah, <clears throat> they sang in the car and they played games in the car. My dad's rule was look for deer. (laughs) That was it. That's the, like, my dad is so good. My dad's like the Don Rickles of dads. Uh, You know? Just full of, full of zingers. (laughs) He's like, he has taken to no longer sending me text messages. He just sends me gifts now, (laughs) which is the best. Because I get to, like, know what my dad's brain is doing, you know? Yeah. So, like, when the wild score, he sends me the gif of the baby at the hockey game going, like, oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. he only sends that. <laughs> and, like, I can't, I don't have cable. I can't watch wild games. So, I just get that text from him, and I'm like, oh, wild scored, you know? 
but like he'll like so that that's kind of so off topic but to some degree like my dad's cynicism is what rubbed off on me whereas her, her mom's optimism is what rubbed off on her but it came from like a, a similar sort of context like her mom was very demanding had very high expectations of her wanted you know uh, accountability was a huge thing with her mother but that extra thing was the optimism mm. and the x factor with my dad was cynicism <laughs> so it's like we were just like we had the same that's so funny yeah because like yeah it's i mean we do as comics we do it all the time we'll look at somebody you're doing crowd work look at somebody and just make a a quick just blanket statement about who they are <laughs> absolutely you know what i mean dude how many times but if we were to meet that person in a social situation yeah the most pleasant human beings yeah but yeah it's funny like well, i got heckled by a guy wearing a soccer jersey and i let him have it for like 5 minutes <laughs> call him a field fairy or a field fairy like you pansy ass wearing a soccer jersey. I bet you like sucking your brother's cock too. Just like crazy <laughs> shit. And everyone in the audience is laughing except that guy's like, dude, I was just, you know, and then afterwards I go up to him like, hey man, I was just joking. He's like, dude, you really laid into me. Like that was mean. You know, I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. It's, it's so, it it's, it's weird. My cynicism, it sounds super conflicting. Like I use it to be endearing. Yes, you be- do. Because I'm a tiny little guy. Yeah, you do and though, I but come- you're very good at it. <laughs> you're very It's actually like that's your uh how to that's your uh like social escape route. Ooh. Is like if you find yourself in a tense situation, I feel like you lean on like two things. Self-deprecation, oh, and endearing cynicism. Like and you're very very good at it, and it's I, I shouldn't say that like you do it to manipulate. No people no no because no no. That's not how it comes across. It comes across as like it's a survival skill. It's def- it diffuses so well, <laughs> and because it diffuses so well, like we've talked about already, it's like that's imprinted upon you. It's like hey, remember last time shit hit the fan and I did this thing and it totally worked. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep doing that thing, and it works for you. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I've seen you get out of some seriously awkward situations <laughs> by just being silly and like poking fun at people, but like not, I mean, the best example and, you know, you can bleep if you need to, but the best example I've seen you do this with is with Doima. Oh. You know, when you're like, when he like comes up to you and he's like super huggy and really aggressive and you're like, hey, coming along, uh, coming on a little strong there, buddy, like whatever, you know, and everyone can laugh about it. But it diffuses and then everything calms down. Whereas, in, like for me, guard goes up, person starts doing that thing, and then I just like every ounce of me wants to be like, shut the fuck up. But like I can't do it, so I say nothing. How, like, how long do I have to ride this out until it's over? Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can do it for a while. It's interesting because. When I would drink, my my rating would change drastically as to how I fuck with somebody or become yeah the level at which you yeah for sure. So it's but it's funny. I thought it was just a drinking thing, but it turns out it's not because I still do it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would also even I would say that your um 
your judgment is less impaired. So like your ability to control like when to pull it out is I would say now it's like you're you're a little more reserved with it because you're like, oh, it's not time yet. Like I'm gonna hold on to it for a second. Oh, and then oh, you oh. get your quip out when it's necessary. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to like before it was like the floodgates opening. Yeah. It was like New Orleans in 2003. Right. So it was immediately versus like looking for that opening. You were like Hurricane Chris. I was Hurricane Chris. Do your chain hang low? I was Hurricane Christina. Yes. (laughs) And that's, I I really wanted to, you know, I don't know how much time you do on this show, but. Oh, I mean, I've gone for three hours before. Jesus, we cannot do that. No. Um. But I do want to talk about drinking. Yeah? Because now that, I mean, I've had since December 31st, I've had three drinks. Well, before we do that. Oh, yeah, please. There's, you, this is your show. Yeah, there's one more thing that I that I want to cover because of, so all of these things, right, that created you to be who you are. Mm-hmm. When you throw in the dysthymia, Mm-hmm. Which Kim just read my updated chart, by the way, and the list of mental health, they threw dysthymia on there. They threw all kinds of- Well, you got GAD for sure, too. Gay abnormal disorder? Yeah. Abnormally gay disorder. <laughs> yeah, that's the old AGD. <laughs> but that, like, it's weird that they don't tell me. Yeah. Why? Like, why? They I, know that I have access to my chart. Yeah. But for some reason- well, a lot of things change in the mental health like research capacity too. Like dysthymia used to be called a completely different thing. Mm. And then they just changed it. And then I saw on my chart that I had this thing and I'm like, "What is this?" <laughs> I thought it had to do with like my thyroid or whatever. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, "Oh, that's what this is." Okay, so you're you're in uh, like an environment where it's easy to like feel sad or attacked or like there's no escaping mm-hmm. these scenarios and like you know you can't change schools you can't do the, you, like that feeling of being trapped right mm-hmm. and then as you mature the mental health stuff starts to truly show mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you are aware of it so like true. So as a kid it's it's gnarly to be like like people say that little kids act like this. Mm-hmm. Why is it that I still have the same emotions as a 15-year-old that I had as a 6-year-old? Mhm. Like did you ever have that does that make sense where I'm trying to go like Yeah. Well, I think um so my ADHD is really like my most debilitating um mental health thing and i think that that really dictated like how how i acted a lot longer um than most people because i wasn't diagnosed until i was 22 so i didn't have any mental health diagnoses until i was 22 so as a child you know you act in a certain way respond to circumstances in a certain way whatever and like i I don't think i ever was depressed as a kid but i certainly 
had bad anxiety issues as a kid. And I think that was brought on for the most part by my ADHD. The so and that, then oh go ahead. Did you so um I mean a, a big part of the ADHD thing is the uh like Im- impulsiveness. Yeah. Did you find yourself saying why do I why do I do these things all the time? Okay. And then the older I got, I was more aware of the behavior and equally incapable of managing it. Oh. I would say at probably age 13 or 14 was when like depression started setting in and it got fucking deep for like three or four years. Oh, wow. Where impulsivity was at the all time high, but so was depression. And so in order to escape the depression, you act impulsively. Mm but it actually compounds the depression because you're not seeing any real reward. It's a, it's a quick dopamine fix for every little impulsive decision you make, but it doesn't fix the problem. So like, while I was acting like a total jackass, like having so much fun in high school, mm. I was also failing classes and hated myself. For really? It. Yeah. Hated myself for it, but didn't do my homework because I didn't have time to do my homework. Oh. I couldn't sit down and do homework. Yeah. So I just filled every evening with activities. For a while, it was literally just drive to my girlfriend's house and just watch Criminal Minds (laughs) and then drive home too late and then go to bed. Wake up the next day, like literally rinse, repeat every day. It was just, I, And, you know, you get filled with, like, when you get that trapped feeling, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I can't get out of this cycle, just dread starts to sink in. And it was like I dreaded almost every moment of every day for a while. I I remember this in high school um, because I I did very, very similar things. Um, But so, like, all this time would fly by and you look at the clock and then all of the things that you should have done and you have this moment of like, I'm either like accepting that I'm not going to do any of this shit or I'm now going to spiral and be like, how am I going to get all of this shit done? Yep. Like it was one of the two things. Yep. Every time, which is fucking awful. Well, and then, so it it extends beyond like schoolwork too, though, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or like responsibilities even. Like it happened to me with relationships where Mm -hmm. like, like it felt like when I was really spiraling, spiraling in high school, like on one hand, you know, I got a 31 on my ACT. It was a very smart person. (laughs) The only class I like nailed was physics and that's because they didn't make you do homework in physics. Ah. You could turn in your notebook. You you had a homework notebook or uh, I'm going to take half my test score and apply that to my homework. Homework was worth half of the test score. Wow. I never did a single physics problem the whole year. And I just got A's on everything. Wow. It's the only class I did great in because I didn't have to do homework. <laughs> I just went home. My, I literally at the end of the year, I, the teacher was like, I got to say, like, and he holds up my notebook for the whole class. He's like, I've seen this many times. 
but it's never amounted to an A, ever. But he opens up my notebook and he does the flip thing through the whole notebook and he's like, it's empty. And then he sets it down and the whole class is like, what the? Remember the girl in front of me turns around. She's like, what the hell? I was like, sorry. She's like, you sleep all day. I was like, yeah, I know. But so I got into college. And I was like, holy shit, how do I get into college? I suck at this. Um. So, like, things were going good for me, you know? Like, I made the baseball team. I made the hockey team. I'm doing good things. But, like, this feeling of dread all the time because I felt like I had done irreparable damage to my relationship with my father. Wow. And I hated myself for it. Hated. We took a class. All right, It wasn't required. It should be, but it wasn't. It was called Positive Leadership. Bar none, the most impactful class I ever took in any school, in any capacity, like to any degree. Wow. But it was literally like the whole class was like therapy. My oh. first foray into therapy. And like most kids took it because they were like, it's with Miss McGrath, who's a fucking badass. Everybody loves McGrath and is a free A. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that. That's why I took it. <laughs> And then I found myself multiple days in this class just heave crying, talking about how shitty my relationship with my dad was. Wow. And we had three major projects on the year. One of them was the confidence speech. And I like wrote a rap to my dad to the beat of Mockingbird. Wow. Yeah, and it was like like literally like 64 bars. I was flipping through the notebook, like reading it in front of the class with the Mockingbird beat playing behind me. I'm crying. I'm like wiping tears off of this notebook as I'm reading it. Kids in the class, like people are crying around the class. Yeah. And that was like the first time that I like realized, like I had enough insight to be like, I'm doing, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Does that oh, make sense? yes, yes, Whereas, yes. like yes. I, I truly owned and this was the accountability thing where I was like, oh, damn, like this is my fault. But I didn't know how to fix it. This is like, I, I don't know how to stop the behavior I'm doing. Like, I'm just acting impulsively. I don't know how to stop the impulsive behavior. I don't know how to change the impulsive behavior. And I certainly don't know how to, like, introduce new productive <laughs> behaviors, you know? Yeah. Because, like, none of those have that dopamine reward. That's fascinating to me, though. I would have... So, and I, I don't mean to say this in the sense that like you painted a, a poor picture of your father but like the like kind of stoic yeah nature of him mm -hmm. led me to believe that it would have been him kind of pushing feeling like he's pushing you away or like not giving you credit where yes you feel it's due yes um so what what was so retrospectively like, at the time, that's certainly how I felt. Okay. It was like, this is all him. Like, he's a dick, you know? Never tells me he's proud of me. He doesn't care. Like, he just wants me to be good at hockey and get good grades. That's all he cares about. But, like, to him, what he saw was a kid who refused to take accountability for anything. Mm. Who was given every opportunity to succeed. Like, literally every opportunity. I grew up a very fortunate child. Um... And that extends to this day. Like, my dad takes fucking great care of me when it comes to, like, making sure 
that I'm taking care of to some extent, you know? Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, like, here's a kid that he instilled all of these, like, really important values in that as a child he saw had all the promise in the world. Okay. And then as he got older, he saw the kid, like, not straight. Like, my dad knew I didn't drink and smoke pot in high school. And to him, he's like, that's what the bad kids do. My kid's not doing those things. Why does my kid suck? What happened to my kid? You know? And I think to him, maybe, it was just hard to believe that there was something else causing these issues. That, like, it was it was more of a conscious decision on my part to to um, forego responsibility. Like, when I had something I liked, I dove headfirst into it. And so he was like, I see you up, like applying these values to certain things. Why can't you just apply them to the things that really matter? <laughs> like, yeah, you're really good at sharpening hockey skates, dude. <laughs> Great. You know? Yeah. Why are you so good at that and you suck at math? <laughs> You're not bad at math. You just suck at it. Like, you can do it. And so that was like, for him, I think it was just such a, like, a conundrum of just like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? Um, That's why I flunked out of college. Because my dad wasn't there. Wow. My dad couldn't be like, no. <laughs> do your homework. And instead, I was just like, freaking give me Ronnie D. Yeah. Like then that's it. Only give me Ronnie D. And I'll go to the dining center, I'll eat a couple sandwiches, and I'm just gonna drink. Yes. And then eight AM class, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> it's weird because in college, like the teachers don't really care what you do at all. So you don't feel the accountability's on you. Yeah. And I was taught how to be accountable. <laughs> But I didn't know how to apply it to things that really mattered. That's really interesting, dude. I mean, and it took me years to get out of that slump, too. I mean, even after I moved home and started going to school again, still didn't have the accountability, except this time it wasn't drinking. That was my problem. It was smoking pot. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit this because I don't do it anymore, you know? And it was like a tough time in my life, and I was battling like insane levels of depression. Oh, that's what I was going to ask too is like, I mean, you're, you're doing downers. Like how often were you spiraling? Oh God. Every day. Oh, okay. Every day. Like into pits of despair. Every day. I used to do this thing. I swear to God, this is true. I'm not exaggerating. Every day I would drive to North Hennepin Community College. This is, I was probably 19 years old when I did this. I would park my car. I would smoke pot like smoke a couple of one or smoke a bowl or something and i would sit in my car when i was supposed to be going to class i would sit in the car in the parking lot for five hours wow and i would sleep and i would read comic books and sometimes i'd go inside and buy food i would literally go into the school to actively not go to class and then wow. i would come back outside and i would sit and i would listen to the radio. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. so, Just actively failing my classes. Were you living at home? Mm -hmm. Okay, with okay. My parents, yeah. Got it. But I was paying for my school. So oh. I felt like I can do them with, with my money what I want, you know? 
And then they're like, you can't come here anymore. Like, you, this is a community college, but like, dude, your GPA is like 0. .32. <laughs> like, you failed gym, dude. What are you doing? You know? Um, and then I got a job at Starbucks. And that turned everything around for me as far as work ethic goes. Oh. There's no downtime. Oh, it's the yeah. the perfect place for somebody with ADHD to work. <laughs> Actually, I should say I got a job at the city first. And that was like, you were extremely uh, accountable for your work because your work is visible. Are you fixing roads? I was f- planting trees. Uh, and not just like little baby trees. I was planting like six, seven hundred pound trees Ugh. that are like, you know, 10, 12 feet tall and they got a trunk that's this big and the berm at the bottom is freaking this giant you know heavy ball thing and digging holes by hand planting trees i did it every day for a summer and then i had to go find a real job because <laughs> that was only my summer job and that's when i started working at starbucks but working at the city that that'll reset you yeah which they say like you know Nobody leans on a shovel better than a government worker. <laughs> Which to some extent was true, but I had a crew leader that was a hard ass. And it like, that was where like, for the first time I felt like something not strictly meant to like bring myself joy. Like I could be not only accountable, but like find reward in it. Mm. It was like the first job where I was like excited to get out of bed and go to work, you know? That's interesting. And then at Starbucks, it was the same thing. I was, I was working 4 a.m. shifts. Still so stoned, but... Oh, yeah. But like doing great work. Like the regional manager of Starbucks that's like in charge of, you know, 2,000 stores is like coming to watch me run a shift and take notes so he can tell other shift leaders around the eight state area that he manages this is how the guy who does it the best does it but so this is the fascinating part all of this is happening Mm -hmm. but you're still having these super sunken oh so depressed the whole time so i mean were you just white knuckling until you got to starbucks you know what i mean like because the in-betweens where you're alone with yourself no it's breaks just 10 minute break hate yourself for 10 minutes go back in people rely on you okay so it's like accountability that's like the root of like how i stay at stasis okay it's like when i'm depressed i let myself sit and sink into the depression if nobody relies on me wow i have been less depressed in the last four months than the last 12 years because we got a dog. Ah. I can't just sit in bed all day. Can't dick around. I can't play video games all day. Can't fuck around at work. He's got to poop. <laughs> you know? Like, he's got to eat. He's got to be fed. But somebody's got to play with him. Somebody has to take for a walk every day. So I do that stuff. So what was the the point, though? Because, you know, you're going through this, like you said, like, and it's like... The I to me it seems like the most common pattern is like before 
you find a solution, you you don't just feel the thing, you let it engulf you. Like people who like have clinical depression and clinical anxiety, it's like, oh, I don't just worry. I like, like Ali Sultan jumped out a fucking window because he didn't want to have to deal with a social situation. It was just like two people coming over. Yeah. Like genuine clinical shit, like you just sink in and it totally engulfs you. So you're surviving on accountability, but in those in-between moments, at what point did you go, all right, I got to find a professional route versus the shit that I'm doing right now? I have two moments. Okay. First moment, I used to have really bad anger issues. Still have bad anger issues, <laughs> but they used to be like horrifying. Like I was very physically angry. Oh, really? Yeah. There's... Patches and walls and broken doors in my parents' house. All my bad. Like, my mom <laughs> My mom still has this old poster that my brother made on this door because I punched the door, and there's, like, a, the door is just broken, but, like, it covers it, so she keeps it there. Um, punched a hole in a wall in my parents' house. But the real bad moment was when I just exploded one day, and I had, like, a... F- sweatshirt on not like a button-up sweatshirt or a zip-up sweatshirt like an actual like full okay. sweatshirt right uh hoodie and i just grabbed it and i ripped it in like in half the whole thing just like like i was just like fucking rah! like rage angry right full hogan and i grabbed a knife out of the knife block and i just like slammed it into the counter and my mom was like shaking terrified of me wow and then she was like you need to talk to somebody so i went over to the chair and i looked up psychologist near me and then i met helene and then i lied to helene for four years (laughs) (laughs) that i was fine (sighs) because it felt good i could just go vent for a while you know and she'd be like so you're not smoking weed anymore i'd be like yeah totally and then i'd go out and smoke weed in the parking lot and I'd drive <laughs> home um and then my alternator went out on my car one night middle winter february i was 20 years old and i was coaching hockey at the time oh my alternator went out but i didn't know what an alternator being out was like i don't i was dumb you know well, yeah. So, like, my lights are flickering on the car. It's freaking cold as hell. And I'm like, what's going on with my car? <laughs> you know, stopping at Starbucks. Like, hey, guys, can I get a coffee? I got to go coach. And they're like, yeah, totally. What's going on with your car? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I changed the spark plugs a month ago, and maybe that's the problem. I go to the rink. Everything's fine with the car when I leave. Go to my ex-girlfriend's house. We sit in the driveway. Car's on the whole time. Smoke weed in the car. That's what we did. At my ex-girlfriend's house. You would smoke with your ex-girlfriend? Or this was girlfriend at the time? Girlfriend at the time. Okay. I would smoke. The the setup was kind of weird. Poorly worded. (laughs) We'd smoke pot. So I got just biblically stoned. Oh, nice. And then drove home and went to pull into my parents' driveway. It's middle of February. Like right now. Level cold, right? Went to pull in the driveway and the car died. And then it just rolled out of the driveway. And uh, I was like, I can't park my car in the street overnight because it's illegal in my parents' neighborhood. I called my girlfriend at the time, 
and I emptied my car of all the weed stuff and put it in her car. And I grabbed um, a jacket and a blanket and a pillow from my car. And I just started walking down the street. I was just going to leave forever. Wow. That was it. That was the tipping point for me. Because I couldn't tell my parents. I couldn't go inside. Everyone was asleep. It meant I had to go wake them up and tell them that my car is dead in the middle of the road. I'm high as a kite right now. I can't confront them. Oh, okay. Way too anxious to talk to anyone because I'm stoned. But also because of the consequences of me having killed the car and it's in the road. (laughs) So then... Ultimately, I walked back. This is probably an hour later. I got back to my parents' house. Now it's three thirty, four in the morning. And I go inside, and I wake my mom up, and I tell her, hey, the car is dead, and it's in the drive, or it's in the road. So she wakes my dad up, and I'm like, that's the worst possible situation. <laughs> um, so my dad has to tie a tow rope to my car and tow it into the driveway. But he doesn't want to have my mom be the one turning the car and he won't let me do it because he knows I'm stoned. So mm. he's like, why are you, why would I let you get the behind the wheel of a car? So he gets in the car and first thing he says, he sits down in the car. He's like, smoke weed in here, huh? Oof. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you're either smoking it or selling it. Dude, that confident angry is terrifying. Yep. So car gets in the driveway, he puts the emergency brake on, slams the door, goes inside. Uh, on his way in, he said, get the fuck in here. And I was like, okay. And then my family had like a full-blown intervention with me. Damn. Mm-hmm. Everyone's crying. I'm so high. Still crying a lot. Oh, for sure. My dad's crying. Wow. It's like now is it that like that uh, It's sad dad crying. It is sad dad crying. Like it's like he's like you're throwing your entire life away. Wow. Like you're doing nothing. Like what are you doing? Why? Like that was the biggest question from all of them. It's like why? Like what for? You know? What's it all for? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm sad. Like, I hate everything. Like, I hate myself. I hate the circumstances I put myself in. I don't know how to get out of them. I'm a manager at a Starbucks right now, and it pays dick, and I spend all that money on weed. So, like, I'm stuck here forever. I suck at school. I hate school. My favorite possession is this freaking new york yankees bomber jacket that i got at (laughs) savers for seven dollars i have nothing yeah that was when i like really started to try to turn my life around it was pretty much that moment didn't quit smoking pot but i like started trying to you know have some responsibility take accountability that was the biggest thing was like if i fucked up i owned it and now like i don't smoke pot I don't really drink at all because I've learned that, like, to be accountable, I have to also pay attention to the fact that the symptoms of me when I'm on substances (laughs) is uh, god-awful for me. (laughs) 
Like my anxiety was at an all time high. I quit smoking pot. I'm like weird. <laughs> like the world isn't going to end. It's amazing how much less Jordan Peterson I watch now that I don't smoke pot. Oh my God. Alex Jones does not sound like he's making sense anymore. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true though. That's the weirdest part is like quit doing that stuff. And like, I, you know, I, like I said, I quit drinking and like, it's gotten even better and I shouldn't say I quit drinking, but like I quit drinking. Um, what, uh, you, what's the, um, moderation. Yes. You learned what moderation meant. Yeah. But it's even, it's even less than moderation. You know, it's like, I consider it like a special treat now. That's still because you're an adult, so you could do it all the time. Yes. So moderating myself. Yes. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. But like, you know, I I, like I had a beer on Friday with dinner, but it was just because like that particular beer sounded really good with the wings I was about to eat. I was like, I'm good with water. And then she's like, all right, sounds good. And then I ordered my food and I was like, you know what? (laughs) Can I get the pistachio cream ale? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And then I had that beer and then I went home and I didn't have beer anymore. (laughs) It's like, you know, and it's like you have to train, but that's part of the accountability thing. It's like, I know if I have more when I get home, I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. And what do I do on Saturday mornings? I take Kirby to the park. And if I feel like shit, I'm not going to want to take Kirby to the park. But Kirby needs to go to the park. He deserves to go to the park. I love that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like, that's like, it's weird. Like that the thing that caused me for the first five sixths of my life. <laughs> the most anxiety and self-loathing and just caused all the turmoil and self just just like harm and and hatred and dread is the one thing that's keeping me true to like my responsibilities now like that accountability complex ooh is so fucked up when you don't have anything to be accountable for yeah and then when things show up that you have to be accountable for but you don't know how to exercise that muscle things pile up and when you have anxiety you just ignore the pile and you turn it into a cool thing you have (laughs) people are like what's that and you're like that's my anxiety pile (laughs) i put all my clothes there and toys sometimes. And then I lose them, so I buy a new one. <laughs> I, mean, I did that. But, oh, so Go ahead. The, the, that's the other thing that I'm curious about is um, the diagnoses that you were given that started to um, like put these puzzle pieces together. Um, was that done on your own then? Like in adulthood, you were saying, I want I want to figure this shit out or was it the the events So the events started it Jeez, real voice reveal. It's okay. 
Uh, so the event started it for sure. But I would say, like, the prognosis of the diagnosis is what further inspired me to dig into what's actually happening. Because, like, I was diagnosed right away with, like, she's like, you seem anxious. <laughs> you know, we're in a therapy office and you're leaving nail marks in the chair. Uh, and then, you know, she's like, you definitely got depression for sure. And then the dysthymia thing came around and she was like, so you're like kind of always depressed, right? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and she's like, oh. Um, but then the ADHD thing was, that was a self, self-directed diagnosis. Especially because for her, she kept saying like, I, I think something else is going on. He's just not really telling me. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, but then she's like, one day she was just like, what if he just took an ADHD test? And I was like, I don't know. What if? Like, what happens then? Do I get to take crazy pills? And she was like, no. You just, sometimes it's helpful to know. And I was like, all right. And then the test happened, and I was like, yo, your boy's got ADHD. <laughs> it's It's been a lot easier now, like now that I have control of my anxiety, to be able to explore the ADHD, too. Ah. Because it would make me more anxious to explore the ADHD before because I didn't know how to cope with it. Oh. So I was like, fuck. I like you can't I can't I can't want to feel better or I can't try to feel better. It's like my same thing. Like when I had really bad anxiety, this is why I, I gained all this weight. Cause I started to notice that my body was having fatigue issues because I wasn't getting enough exercise. Oh and then I got fat. And then I started to notice my heart would beat too much. And I was like, fuck, do I have heart problems? <laughs> I definitely have heart problems. Like hypochondriac, like to the max, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, so I stopped, I stopped exercising almost entirely because I was like, I have heart problems. So I can't exercise. I don't want to stress my heart out too much. Of course and, not. And then I got large. <laughs> and then I stopped drinking. And like, since then... Like, I, I run with Kirby now. Oh, really? I ran in jeans and these yesterday when I took it for a walk. So I run the last 400 yards of our walk. That's my new thing. Take it for a nice long walk, and then the last, we just sprint home the last bit. And I had to convince myself, like, the reason I'm doing this is because he needs to run. But then also I'm like, I can fucking run, <laughs> you know? And I don't worry about my heart pounding too much because I'm like, I don't have anxiety. I don't have to wait. So I'm fine. <laughs> my heart's not broken, you know? But, like, seriously, it, it got so bad. Or I would just, like, go sit outside and cry in our freaking swing because I'm like, my body's a wonderland. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, I just, I look like a busted can of biscuits. Like, I hate myself. A busted can of biscuits. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. I just, like, you know, you get into those. So now that the anxiety is under control, it's a lot easier for me to be able to take a look at my symptoms and be like, okay, these behaviors are going to contribute to further my anxiety. So I should stop these behaviors. So like my new thing is like I set alarms on my phone now. Mm. So I call my grandparents. So I don't feel guilty about not calling my grandparents because that makes me anxious. Do you usually call them on the way to here? No. Oh, okay. Nope. I call them. I have two different days set up, but I have the alarm set up. So now tomorrow, I call my grandpa. That's And now it's set up. And now I won't feel guilty about not calling him anymore. 
Mm. And then my anxiety about not calling him. And then about the existential dread of him getting older. And the anxiety that goes along with me not addressing the fact that I am not calling him. And one day I'm not ever going to be able to call him anymore. And all that whole fucking spiral. They just set an alarm. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Spiral's gone. I I am that way too. Where like the more I like I well it it started within the last like three years where as soon as I start to learn a thing I go oh I it's partial like radical acceptance and explain that what is radical acceptance so radical acceptance remember when I told you about uh, that clairvoyant guy who uh, so he he's a comedian who says that he's like a medium okay right and he can connect to your aura and this and that and uh they had him on king the sting and they're like when when did you find out that you could do this stuff he's like well i've always known but i i'm also bipolar and a lot of people with bipolar are more in tune with and when i heard that i went oh no you just think that you're more in tune with that's a part of our chemical imbalance so it it just sunk in. I went, oh, I don't actually have like supernatural abilities to connect to these things. Like it's just repetitive behavior that allows me to connect to people in these ways. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. So like, like your, your extreme level of empathy. So, you know, when like, uh, people with bipolar you talk about uh, going manic. Yes, yes. These manic behaviors, right? So a side effect of that is like when you're when when you're feeling really high, mm-hmm. you and this isn't with everybody but with a lot of them um or us I should say we feel more in tune with everything. So because of that, you start to think Oh, did that happen because I knew this thing? Like coincidences. Oh, okay. Yeah, are yeah. are not coincidences. Right. Okay. So so that's so the it just and it just happened. The second that I heard him say people with bipolar are more in tune with, I just went, I'm bipolar. That's why I think this way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm an atheist and I've been an atheist for how old's Layla? Nine years. Yeah. So I know. Well, to me, I know that th- there that shit doesn't exist. But for some reason, I still think it applies to me. And so, all of that fell off the second that I heard that thing. Interesting. So it's like a piece of your like like a piece of a complex that you've sort of built, just like melted away in an yeah. instant. Wow. But. It, like it sucked. Yeah. I w- like if if you look back on the look at the light. Go ahead. The 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 pidcast. Uh, I think it was last year. We uh, I brought it up on the show, and I almost started crying because it 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 is it was a piece of me that I thought that I was, because that's a pretty fantastical thing yes. to have, and then to to go oh, it's gone. That's. Yeah, you like lose <laughs> you lose what you what you've believed to be a part of you for a long time, really long time, because of 
like a, a an extremely sobering realization. Well, it was also something that made you feel important. Like it, that's yeah. a, a part of that whole It's like adds to your purpose to some degree. Exactly. Yeah. So you you feel like I'm meant for more than this. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. Not that I'm not meant I for I know, I know, but you have a moment where you're like, damn it, no, I just have to eat peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's so interesting. So yeah. So I then start to go, oh, that's why it's tough for me to just accept that it's okay for me to just be a dad and just be this thing. It's because I, I feel very strongly towards this thing that I, there's something out there. It's why I was terrible with relationships because I was like, but what the way that that girl looked at me, like, yeah, like it's this, there's some other thing. And so, so once that started to happen and happened Dude, I again, feel like I'm kind of having that right now. <laughs> Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Well, in ADHD, Dude, I have this all the time. ADHD exhibits very similar yeah. things with, yeah, I don't, I'm not saying I'm bipolar. I'm not like self-diagnosing, no, no, no. but like I, I, I'm I acknowledging that. that I get yeah. why. Yeah. I feel that like where you like, where something great happens and you're like, I'm destined for greatness. <laughs> and then like you get to ride that for like 12 minutes and then somebody on the phone is like, no, I'm not interested. And you're like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Dude, that explains a significant portion of why I behave the way I do. Yeah. Well, and why <coughs> you, um, it, and it adds to that depression pile. Yeah. Because you go, I'm 35 and I'm, why am I not on America's Got Talent <laughs> showing them how fucking funny I am? Like, yeah. you you do these things that yeah. like. You have like the, where you're like out taking the dog for a piss and you're like, yeah, if Joe Rogan asked me about this, I have the perfect answer. Exactly. Yeah. A, another thing is um, if I just had the chance to show them who I am. Or like explain my whatever. Everything would be different. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot I of that. Live in that universe, man. But that's the fascinating thing is that we lived so long with all of this bullshit. And it's so convincing that, no, no, no. There's no explanation other than I suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so you just bury yourself in that loathing. Because you haven't achieved what you perceive to be like your ceiling or like you haven't broken through the threshold, you know, or the, you know, whatever per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was, that, that, that was a huge problem for me with comedy. So I quit going on stage to some degree. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Certainly contributed, I would say. Yeah. To my to my not really wanting to get back on. Because I, I realized like, oh, now that this is out of my life, <laughs> I'm way less I hate myself way less. Yeah. Because you'd have to have that conversation with yourself where you're like, it's it's just an open mic. Yeah. That's one night out of a million that you're gonna have. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. Right. You can't help but be like why? Why am I not crushing? Every yeah. Time I or like you do crush and you're like it's the same fucking jokes I've been telling. Yeah. And then you're like, "Fuck. God, dude, if Louie was here right now, I'd be moving to New York." 
Yep. Like Caroline's would have me every night. But that's not how it works. Yeah. And I just like I I could not get out of that state of mind. It took not being in that state of mind to realize, oh, what advice would you have for people who are currently in that 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 situation like because it's relatively new to you Mm -hmm. i mean it's new to me too but (laughs) (laughs) saying like 20 years of experience (laughs) um but i I like like going full james (laughs) lifting on it i like to have the the guest dude that's who you are am i james lipton no you're punk james lipton oh I like to think that I'm bisexual, James Lipton. Either what isn't he already kind of though? I don't know. Actually, he's like. Uh, Would you not be surprised by either? He's like poetry sexual, Ooh. or literature sexual. Yes, literary sexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are. You're like you're like a punk rock James Lipton. That's fucking <laughs> rad. I feel like I'm dressed like a like a punk rock Mister Rogers right now. Yeah, but you got glasses and a beard and awesome hair, so. James Lipton. But yellow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like when you're when you're trying to get to that point because like we were like a common thread in all of these things that held us back was like it feels impossible to just ask for this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean to yeah. say or to give yourself that like you say a lot of times uh that grace. Yeah. To to go through this thing yeah. like so what what are those i guess for me like the best advice i can give to somebody <clears throat> who's going through maybe similar circumstances to what i was going through would be to like accept those things that you are truly accountable for recognize the things that you are not accountable for and then relinquish control of those things because that's what contributes to your anxiety is a feeling of a loss of control and like you're letting people down. And if you're no longer feeling desperate to, to take care of others or to take care of this thing that somebody needs from you or to do X thing because it's so important for your future, if you just like take a real inventory of the things that you're truly accountable for and pour yourself into those things and then just do your best to let go of the things that you're not in control of or accountable for. It makes it a lot easier to cope with the highs and the lows, but also with the spiral. That's been the most mind-opening... or. Not mind opening, but like most like possibility opening thing for me is like I feel like uh, for the longest time, especially as somebody with ADHD, and I think uh, people will that kind of similar struggles will relate to this is like you feel like you close every door to possibilities with every mistake you make. Oh, and like that's just not true. Just like try to not make so many mistakes. And then, again, be honest with yourself about what you're truly accountable for. If you commit to something, commit 100%. Don't ever half-ass two things. Whole-ass one thing. I couldn't agree more. Ron Swanson. (laughs) 
I love the way that you word that too. Not the asshole thing, but oh, yeah. the form of that that we've heard our entire lives is accept uh, the things that you can change. Or how does that saying go? Lord, give me the strength to. It's like Lord, bear me the strength to. Uh, oh, change the things I can and accept the things that I cannot. Yeah, something like that. There we yeah. go. Yeah. But like to do it in the accountability, because when people hear something that's uh, and is that an idiom? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at you, Plato. <laughs> um, that you know that we've heard our entire lives. It's really it difficult. Its, yeah. yeah. Like and also like because you've heard it your entire life and it hasn't worked for you, it just feels less and less possible every time you hear it. Yeah. Or that it just does not apply to you. It's it might as well be a unicorn. Yeah. Like, like, Thanks, Grandma. Appreciate the check in the Bible you gave me. But the the accountability thing, it's so applicable. It's applicable to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, fantastic. What are you accountable for today? Like, you know, and if you don't do the things you're accountable for, it's okay to loathe yourself a little bit for them. Because <laughs> that's your, that is the, the effective guilt pl- complex playing its role. When you're... Like feeling guilty when there's things that you're not accountable for, that's bad guilt. But guilt isn't all bad. That's another thing that I'm telling you guys. It's, not all guilt is bad. It's 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 more like I would say like I don't know, because guilt has such If all guilt was bad, everyone would be murdering everybody and nobody would care. <laughs> I think like remorse or Yeah. Like, That's probably remorse is a far less uh terrible term. Because guilt is something that's labeled like Yeah. You are guilty of You're guilty or you say I'm guilty. <laughs> or you could say I feel bad about this thing. Yeah. To kind of throw the nail of finality into the coffin. There will come a day when accountability like feels like the only thing that you get to do. Wow. That day comes for everyone. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And <laughs> sister act. <laughs> um, But like dreading that is doing a disservice to yourself because the more accountability you have on yourself, the more you're doing right because the more accountable you are, the more good you're doing. Because you're you're taking um uh you're consciously looking for uh what we say in the addiction world the next right thing yeah and which can sound heavy to certain people but it can be as simple as the next right thing is flush the toilet mm-hmm. like that it's it's very simple like in the world of accountability you have more things that you're accountable to than I am or than I do mm-hmm. you know but that's good. Yeah, because you did the next right thing enough times that now you have more things to be accountable for. Yes. Caitlin and I, someday, we're going to try to make another Petra. <laughs> Oops, by the way. Petra dish? Yeah, they used to call me that, and the gym teachers called me that. I, I want to point out, too, that like accountability is not a fi- finality thing. No, no, Like no. Those things can reciprocate. It's not like they almost always do. Yeah. So it's not like accountability means like 
you are chained to this thing and right. it's like a slave driving thing. I don't, uh, yeah, accountability and uh, um, um, obligation are not the same thing. Ah. Accountability is like, it's like being the captain of the football team. It's purpose. Yes, exactly. So it's like being the captain of the football team. Yeah. I just wanted to repeat. That was a terrible analogy. Well, so what can like, you do? Why not repeat it? Um, but yeah, like, you know, being being accountable is like a, a, a virtuous trait. Like, it's a good thing. Yeah. So like, and then, you know, try to shift those things that you feel obligated about in your life. Weigh them truthfully and then shift them into accountability if you can. Like, you're not obligated to go to that thing with your friends. Never. Ever. So don't feel guilty if you don't go. No. That's why it was so great when I had diarrhea problems. <laughs> so I used to be like, nah, man, IBS is acting up. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, as I'm eating Taco Bell. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me it, up. it was fortuitous that, like, because I didn't have a guest lined up because shit was weird last yeah. week. So and I didn't read the text chain properly. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, but yeah, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me, dude. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. Take care of you. Don't. It's. You I can, end the I thing. No, you can end it before. No, that. it's. Thank you.